change the format and have a time of questions or comments or discussion? Yes, please. Um, you spoke of identification, which, yes. um, which you did very nicely and profoundly. Um, my question's a bit loaded. Would that also uh, sort of the issue of, if you will, disidentifying also include practice, um, any kinds of information we've received in any way? to be sort of free ultimately from uh, any kind of belief system? So it is, it is a loaded question because it's like, you know, if you, if you buy a banana, you don't eat the banana peel. But why is it that you keep the banana peel when you get the banana? Because if you get rid of the banana peel before you eat the banana, the banana rots really quickly. Okay? So the structures that we have, the beliefs that we have, the, the systems that we have, the frameworks that we have, protect our practice until the whole thing is ripe enough that we are able to not have to identify with it. Okay? If we discard it before we're at that stage, then we, we are ungrounded without being tethered to refuge. Okay? Without being tethered to a heart that's open. So, ultimately, we use a raft to carry us across, and then we don't carry the raft on our heads. But when a person has crossed over the stream, there's a level of internal freedom that's present. And what happens a, a lot for people is that there's, a, there's an issue around fear of commitment, which is very different from identification. The fear of commitment is related, but not the same as the, as the problem with, with, with solidifying oneself and identifying oneself. And so rather than navigate the fear of commitment, the form is discarded under the pretense that one does not want to identify. And so what happens is, is that you throw the banana peel out before you eat the banana, and you sometimes have something messy on your hands. Not always, but sometimes. So it's a very rich, ripe, wonderful inquiry, and it doesn't have an easy answer to it. Yes, please. Um, it's, it's so uncanny for me. It was just a week ago I was um, pulling into this strip mall in Oxnard and feeling kind of like, oh gosh, what's happened to our planet? All these strip malls. And I was feeling my usual resistance, just like reckless modernity. Um, and then I thought, no more us versus them. It hit me sort of like a, a sphere. Like, I, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep... Um, uh, uh, making these people the, the wrong ones, you know, the right ones. Um, and so it's so heartening and inspiring to hear you say it. 
some of you are profoundly um, and subtly. Um, so I'll just thank you. Well, isn't it wonderful that that insight arose for you? That's yeah. Yeah. It rocked me. Yes. I'm still kind of reeling to be honest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it's like, you know, sometimes things come really clear and in our face. And it's like it becomes really obvious that that is absolutely not the path. You know, that is not the way forward. And so one can get that sense that that's not the way forward. Sometimes and one has to hang out before the door opens of what is the way forward. You know, how do you take that knowledge of that that's clearly not the way and then manifest it into what is the way? Yes. I very much appreciate um, what you said about the anxiety about the relapse isolation because I was experiencing the same. It was, it was, it was curious, and so I began to try to work with it and just ask myself, um, what would it be like to be? Um, to, to be with this in a way that is sort of enlightened or you know, a place. And, you know, I really question, um, is it the part of having an opinion? You know, does one release all um, opinions about uh, good or bad or preference or, or, or whatever? And as I sort of explored it, what I came to was that I think that um, I, there are things that seem more supportive of, let's say, um, a healthier way than other things. And to have that kind of sense or opinion, I'm not sure that that is really the problem. Um, so I looked at that and felt like perhaps it's the attachment to it that's the problem. You know, so. So having an opinion, but really not being attached to the point that you're anxious if what your opinion is isn't what manifests. I mean, so that's the, that's the place that I kind of got to that. But I'm not, I don't know. I just want to turn it to you and your feedback. Yeah, so, you know, the place, what happens, I think, is, is, is that we have an opinion. And then... Um, there is a, a, an attachment to the opinion, and then there's an identity that forms around the the cluster of the attachment <coughs> and the opinion. Okay, so I would agree. You know, it. You know, the mechanism of having a thinking mind is is that we think and we discern and we have preferences and we have opinions, and that the opinions are there because it's clear to us that there are ways that are better than other ways. Yeah? So that's how come the opinion arises. But there's a very big difference between having that arise and then having a kind of like a clamp on it. Yeah? So the arising of something is is, is a faculty of, of, of wisdom and discernment. But the clamping on it is a faculty of, of ignorance and attachment. And, and the combination of the ignorance and the attachment then 
then occludes the wisdom and the discernment. And then there's, so there's an area of suffering that manifests when we share our opinion. And, and I'm sure we have all experienced this. You can be talking in a group of people and somebody has a really hard time just speaking what their opinion is. It's like they've got you pinned up against the wall and they're ramming it down your throat. So it's not just a question of sharing information. There's an intensity, an emotional investment that is kind of like offloaded onto you that you have to get this. And if you don't get this, there's something really threatening that's going to happen for that person. Yeah? So it's not just a question of sharing opinion. It's actually the cluster of the opinion, the attachment, and the identity is is handed over all in one go. And, you know, and I feel that way. I feel like somebody's got me pegged to the board, you know, to the wall, you know, and they're just shoveling. They're shoveling. And I'm trying to do my best to, you know, to hold my ground or to navigate what's happening and, and, and to respond to the opinion, you know. But the opinion no longer is just an opinion. It's an opinion, it's an identity, and it's an attachment, you know, with a lot of energy in it. And I know for myself, you know, I've done, I've been on the, on the dishing out side of that equation, you know, and what that feels like, you know, it's like it's desperate, you know, that somebody has to get it. And, or the group has to get it. And if they don't get it, there's something like some kind of catastrophe. And there is a catastrophe because it's like an ego death, you know? It's a catastrophe because the ego hates to die. (laughs) But when we are able to know that our opinion is an opinion, and we can also take responsibility for the attachment that we have for it or the identity that forms around it, we're not shoveling it off onto people or into people. We're actually taking responsibility for it. And living with people who are able to take responsibility for what they think and feel and what's important to them, you know, without them kind of having a catastrophe if somebody doesn't accept that, is much more peaceful. It's really a whole lot more peaceful to do that. And the interesting thing is, ironically, is is that we are so, when we're in that space, we're so totally invested in having everyone agree. And yet because the energetic experience is such a kind of an assault, people are so kind of protected against what's happening that they can't hear what actually important piece is that you're trying to convey. So the irony is, is is that when we are able to take responsibility for what we think and feel and how something is important or how we have identified with it, then it opens up the space that makes it a lot easier for people to hear what we have to say. And for people to feel like they've been heard. Exactly, yeah. So rather than having it be a kind of a whole cycle of suffering, it's actually an opportunity to get your needs met, you know, which feels really very different, you know. Yes. I just want to thank you um, for 
you know, kind of bringing this into the room. I, I really feel like this is so crucial and it's so timely and essential. And um, my my brain, my mind tries to reconcile everything, you know. And um, so the way I respond, or I've noticed the way I've responded is that um, I try to come up with a resolution within myself that will create peace for myself. So what I've come up with <laughs> is um, the idea, right now this is what I've come up with, is that the idea that acceptance seems to be the atrophy muscle that I need to work in order to reconcile these disparate energies um, and these polarizing constructs you know, for myself that, that the, the portal is acceptance. Um, and then what comes up for me is, well, wait a minute, that sound, that feels like resignation. And that's the ego speaking, I think. You know, that, that, that you know, there's all this stuff to give up that I've been holding on to. And, um, and I have no idea if I'm making any sense at all. So I have a, I have a, I have a, a, a question for you, and this is a genuine question. This is not a question that has only one answer. Would you be willing to explore this just now, right here, with me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you just come into your sitting posture and close your eyes and feel yourself connected to the ground and to the chair. So feel your feet on the floor and feel the earth underneath you. And bring your attention to a place that feels really um, very comfortable, very soothing, very nourishing. And where, where would that be for you? So the diving it, with my cat mm-hmm. and um, the peace that I have with that. So remembering your cat and how peaceful that is. And if you can bring the image of your cat and how peaceful that is into the present moment, where would you find that sense of comfort and ease in your body right now? Heart center. Okay. So just letting the image or the feeling of the cat in the present moment connect you with your own heart center. And just notice all the different things that you feel. You know, the sense of movement, the sense of shape, the sense of color. Whatever it is that you notice, she's very attentive and interested. 
Now, bring your attention to this whole thing that you are trying to bring uh, language into. The sense of attachment and resignation and concern and interest. And is there a place in your body that you can locate that? Your gut. And what does your gut feel like? Just kind of churning. Churning. Is the churning a bubbly churning or a kind of a long churning? Is it... Just kind of clamped down. Clamped down. Okay. And, and, and does it have a certain shape? Does it have any color? Mustardy um, brown or something. And what about movement? attention to that feeling of cats and the warmth in the heart center. (coughs) And bring that feeling of cats and the warmth in the heart center to the churning, grinding, mustardy, browned feeling in your guts. Is there something that you need to help you to integrate it? Is there more support that you need to move towards integrating it? go to the other place, does it mean that you have to give up the heart space? Um, well, if I want to totally embrace that other space, then I feel like I, I have to abandon the heart space while I explore the other space. Which is um, opposite of what you're asking me to do. Okay, so if you go back into the heart space with the cats and the friendly, warm feeling, what does your heart space say about that? Does your heart space agree that you have to abandon it or not? Um, 
that's a really interesting question because my heart space doesn't have language. <laughs> and in fact, I can't articulate that somehow. It's, it's, um, it's almost like non-rational. It's like child space. It's, um, child space. Yeah. Inarticulate. Alrighty, so, so we don't need to ask something to be different than the way that it is. But let's try, let's try again. Try again bringing that warm heart space. Not this time into the brown mustardy churning, but maybe close to it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you to come back into your body sitting here now. I'm just tuning into the various different things that you feel. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. as an exploration of different ways to ask questions. I ain't telling. <laughs> so we need to wrap up now. So, um, what Thank you very much. Before you say a few words, can I just do a moment of sharing blessings? Mm-hmm. So, um, just to recognize that it takes effort to come, that there's all kinds of other things that people could have done instead of being here. But actually being engaged in inquiry and processes like this has a lot of blessings in it. Because it isn't so much the contents of what's happening in our minds but that we're connecting to a process that opens up our hearts to a whole other way. It's tremendously, it's tremendously meritorious. And so we can just bring to mind the blessings that have come from sharing in this way together, from everyone's effort to come and inquire in this way together and share these blessings with each other, with our families, with our friends, with our mentors, with the people we don't know in this world, with, the, with, the, with, with everybody. You know, we, we, are, we are in a world where the, it's poignant. And we can share the blessings of an occasion like this, not only with the people, but with all beings everywhere. Okay. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.